morning, Nisio. Um, today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today in the church calendar is, uh, we're in a season called Eastertide. And Eastertide marks that resurrection is not done. And resurrection is not done being celebrated. Often we celebrate resurrection on Easter, and then that's the end of the story of resurrection. But Eastertide reminds us, no, resurrection continues, and we continue to live into the joy and the good news and the celebration of God's renewing work. And so to help us mark resurrection, we're beginning a series today called With the Grain of the Universe. And the theme of this series, With the Grain of the Universe, is that God is doing something to renew what is good about creation, that God has created something beautiful, that God has done something good, that God has loaded loving intentions and beautiful work into the world, and resurrection is about healing and renewing and restoring the grain of the universe. And so to help us begin this series, I'm very excited to welcome today a very good friend of mine named um, Seth. Seth and I is a Seth is preaching today. Seth and I met when we were doing our doctoral work at Northern Seminary starting in 2017. And from that moment, Seth has just been a very helpful like partner and friend and uh, like conversation partner as we've worked through so many transitions and changes and difficult questions of leadership. And so he's today going to uh, lead us in this moment, and I think we'll benefit from his experience and his wisdom in the same way that I have. So would you welcome um, Seth today as he prepares to preach for us? Thank you all. Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny's a good guy. Um, you all know that. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the gift of being welcomed as a guest in your community and the, the, the gift, the privilege of being able to, to talk about Jesus. <laughs> um, whoa. He vanished, just like Jesus from the tomb. Oh, there he is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Johnny's intro there was great. That was like the first half of my sermon, so we're almost done already. <laughs> um, just kidding. I've got a full 38 minutes here. Um, 
yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm I have um, I'm not presently a full time pastor, but I've been a full I w- was a full time pastor for a long time. Um, I'm still serving the church, but um, in in sort of like a research capacity, I serve a lot of different churches now. Um, but all that to say, I'm not uh, sort of in the position of being able to lead and to preach um, uh, every week like I did before, and so I'm grateful for that opportunity to be here and to be in this position again and to be able to to, to worship with you all. Uh, so let's pray. Let's pray as we continue um, to worship. God, we continue to, to offer ourselves to you in acknowledgement that we didn't have to do anything to convince you to be here today. That in our gathering together in your name, you are already present here with us wooing us and inviting us to continue to turn ourselves over to you. And so that's what we want to do. We just, we, we want to consent to that, continue to consent to that. That our ears would be open to hear what we need to hear, that our hearts would be soft to, to receive those things and so that we can put them into practice in a way that actually makes a difference for us and for those around us. So we continue to offer ourselves to you and pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So here we are, uh, the week after Easter Sunday, and as Johnny said, this is the Easter season. We continue to to celebrate Easter. Easter and resurrection wasn't just something that happened. It wasn't just something, it's not a one-off. It's an new reality. It's something that we continue to enter into. And so um, here, here we are. This, this text that was just read a minute ago in John chapter 20 is a, a common text that's read the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, the Sunday after Easter Sunday. Um, and I, I actually, I watched the, the service that, that you guys had last week. And um, keen um, listeners may have noticed that you actually read part of this last Sunday, too. Um, So you get extra Jesus points if you notice that it's been read twice. Um, You can check those in for a prize after service. Just check in with Johnny. So here we are in John chapter 20, and we find the disciples huddled in a house together with the doors locked. The disciples are confused and they are afraid. They are confused, and they are afraid for fear that the same, the same system, the same religious authorities, the same state authorities that put their friend and teacher Jesus to death, that it's coming for them too. <laughs> and so in that woundedness, in that traumatic experience that, that they just walked through. And in, and in the confusion of what the women have announced to them, they're, they're locked and confused in the upper room. The disciples would have had a, a general understanding of resurrection, like that, that would have come with being a good Jew, is that you, you have a general understanding of, the, of this general thing called resurrection, which was this thing that was happening 
at the end of times when God would come back and, and then God would raise his people from, from, from death. But, but the disciples wouldn't have thought, they wouldn't have been expecting that resurrection would have broken into the present body of the Jesus who had just been crucified. And that resurrection of the body of the Jesus who had just been crucified, that that would have been an explanation for why his body was no longer in the tomb. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? So, so it's, it's kind of, we, we have to remember that this, the kind of thing that's happening, that's unfolding here before the disciples is disturbing and disruptive and not normal or expected. <laughs> and so they're afraid. And so Jesus appears, and Jesus announces peace. And then, and then catch this. Jesus appears, announces peace, and then shows them his wounds. And so the question for us today is, why would he do that? <laughs> like, what work would that have done? How would that have helped for Jesus to announce peace, and then show his wounds. This scene that we find ourselves in here in John 20 is heavy with meaning, like thick, dense with meaning about the way that God is saving the world. It's not just about, it's not just about the proof that Jesus needed to show to his disciples so that they could be convinced that he wasn't dead anymore. Like it it was that, it's not anything less than that, but it's so much more than just like, I'm, I'm the real one. It's so much deeper because what it has to do, what Jesus is, is drawing attention to, the, to there is the way that God is saving the world. What Jesus is drawing attention to there is about what God is doing in the world, in the present, in his body, and what God's future looks like. The kind of future that we are invited to inhabit today. Missio Day, the good news that we gather around this morning is that the wounded yet risen Jesus is healing all creation in and, through, in and through his body. And we are included. And this means that we can grow up into new creation. Our wounds can be transformed from signs of death into sources of new life. We affirm that resurrection isn't just something that has happened to Jesus. So track with me here. Resurrection isn't just something that's happened to Jesus. It's something that's happening in and through Jesus that's happening to reality. Just let that percolate for a second. Resurrection is something that's happening in and through Jesus to reality, to the world. It's happening in time, and it's also happening to time. (laughs) changing time, changing the way that we experience reality. And Jesus is inviting us to enter with him. I have uh, two young daughters, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And uh, partly by virtue of that, um, I, I watch a lot of Disney movies. And so, um, they're, of course, one of their favorite mo- movies right now is Encanto. Encanto fans? Anybody? One, one in, yes. 
Uh, and so I've watched uh, quite a few Disney movies, <laughs> like over the past six years. Um, and uh, as they were watching this movie, um, I was sort of like uh, working in the kitchen and half like watching with them. But as the, as the movie unfolded, I'm like, this is kind of good. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm being grabbed by this movie. <laughs> um, it's grabbing me in the gut and like and pulling me in. And one of the things that, that Encanto captures that I find myself located in is particularly the way that it captures the way that wounds and pain and trauma is carried in our body and moves through our relationships. In, in the movie, we learn lots of interesting things about this family, the Madrigals. They have special powers. But one of the interesting things that we learn early on is that they have fled violence. That this place that they find themselves in is because they are refugees fleeing violence and that there was a miracle that saved, that saved them. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, there's this miracle that saves them from violence and, and that protects them and, and they get these gifts, these powers that each of the children have that they pass on to their children, and it's a core part of what it means to be part of this family. And they use these gifts to bless the village that they're a part of. But one of the things that we see in the movie is that not everything is perfect. There's been this miracle, and they have these powers, but not everything is perfect. Cracks are forming. Cracks are forming. In, in actually, in this casita that the whole family lives in, that's kind of personified in a way, <laughs> cracks are forming that reveal deep, wounds and generational trauma that expresses itself in anxiety and pressure to perform and self-doubt and severed relationships. And these cracks, these wounds are causing the miracles to fade, but more fundamentally, the wounds are disrupting what it means for them to be seen, to be known, to be loved, to live into their identity. The main character, one of the grandchildren of the original woman, Abuela, who fled, who fled violence, Mirabel, there's a ceremony that they go to, this coming of age, this growing up ceremony that they go through where they receive their gift, but Mirabel didn't receive a gift. She is, is sensing these wounds. She's longing to grow up into her true identity. She longs to be seen and loved and appreciated. There's pain and wounding just beneath the surface. There's denial and avoidance of that pain. They don't talk about Bruno. It's interesting to me how Mirabelle's mother, who also has powers, creates food that repairs physical wounds when eaten. But you'll notice, if you've seen the movie, that that food doesn't heal wounds, deeper wounds. Wounds that are sources of anxiety and fear and broken relationships. Monsieur Day, we live in a wounded world that longs to be healed, but that's trapped in cycles of violence. And by wounds, I mean ways that our bodies have experienced trauma. Physical, emotional, spiritual, psychic wounds... These are wounds that we carry individually in our bodies, but that also 
um, exist in families and in social groups and sometimes even in congregations. These wounds can be passed on generationally, like when we're not even trying. And by violence, I mean all the ways, intentional and unintentional, that people wound others. All the ways that we take and hoard and destroy or deny the humanity in others. One of the things that I really identified with that really captures me about living in a wounded world is that, that I, and, and maybe you can identify with this, like Abuela in the movie, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly running from my wounds. Just trying to preserve and protect what's good to make things safe, but in the process, end up creating wounds by trying to pre- preserve and protect what's good and running from my own wounds. Can any of you relate to this? <laughs> Wounding in the process of trying to, to avoid my own wounds and make things okay? Many of us long for some kind of miracle to come so that we can finally be delivered from our wounds and experience the gift of life and grow up into who we are. What wounds are you carrying today? Do you identify you come this morning longing to be healed, longing to grow up into, no matter how old you are, to grow up into who you are, but feel trapped in bondage to cycles of violence and woundedness. Missy O'Day, in this world, the good news that we proclaim this morning is that the wounded yet risen Jesus is healing all of creation in and through his body, and we are included. You are included today. This means that you can grow up into new creation. Your wounds are transformed from signs of death into sources of new life. All of this that Jesus is doing, this resurrection reality that Jesus is creating, Missio Dei, you have been made witnesses of these things in your wounded bodies. This is the good news that we're gathering around this morning. In your wounded bodies, you have been made witnesses. In your participation and inclusion in Jesus' family, you are becoming a living sign that the justice and reconciliation that God has sown into the earth in the body of Jesus will not return void, but will spring forth into new life and become a mighty tree. This is what resurrection is all about. I mean, this, is the, this is the good news that we see unfolding in John chapter 20. The wounded yet risen Jesus becomes present among his disciples, announces peace, shows them his wounds, breathes the Holy Spirit on them into their fear, into their trauma and confusion and pain. Like I said before, there's, there's such density to what's going on here. A lot of density. I want to name two things that are going on here. The first thing is that when Jesus does this, when Jesus appears, he's inaugurating and embodying a new reality. God's new creation, new creation. When he's announcing peace, when he's appearing to them and showing him his wounds, he's embodying and announcing new creation. One of the things that that the gospel writer John is doing in his writing of the gospel is he's retelling the creation story. You guys know how John chapter 1 starts, right? How does it start? In the beginning, (laughs) And so here at the end of the gospel, John is tying this all together. In the beginning was the word. In a way, what John is saying is that in the beginning, God was raising Jesus from the dead. 
That's what John is, is doing that he's putting together here at the end of his gospel. In the beginning, this is what God has always been doing. This is how God has always been saving the world by inaugurating this new resurrection reality, new creation in Jesus. So when Jesus announces peace to his disciples, he's not just telling them it's okay to feel calm. Or he's not just assuring them or granting them some kind of like inner harmony, right? Which is often kind of what comes with the meaning of peace, what we think about peace, this inner calm, this inner harmony. It's not anything less than that, but the peace that, that Jesus is announcing. And if you've been in church circles long enough, you've heard that when Jesus says peace, he's talking about shalom. And shalom includes kind of an, an inner sense of calm, but it's, it, it includes everything else to all of creation, a putting back together, a healing of creation this is what Jesus is announcing, the healing of creation. But the kind of healing that's not going back to what was before. Because the kind of recreating, the kind of way that, that God is saving the world is he's not just bringing humanity back to the garden, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not the trajectory of the way that God's saving the world. God in Jesus is recreating and bringing all of creation and all of humanity into something new. Not just going back to what was before, but bringing something new. So that all creation can grow up into Jesus, can grow up into Christ. This is what Paul is getting on about in Ephesians. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 4, when he's, he's talking about growing up into Jesus. Because Jesus is embodying, imaging, pointing to what it means to be truly human, newly human. And so what this means is that what's revealed in the wounded yet risen body of Jesus is that God is not saving the world with tools of violence or threats of violence, but by sharing in our wounds and thus turning them inside out exhausting the power of death and the power of wounds to lead to death. The power of wounds to separate us from each other and to prevent us from living into our true humanity. Nullifying that power, making room for newness to grow up. This is what the prophet Isaiah was talking about in chapter 53 when he's talking, when he says that the Messiah, by his wounds we are healed. This is what God has always been doing in the world. So in resurrection, it means that death is swallowed up in Jesus' life so that even wounds become signs and sources of life and hope. These are not, in Jesus, our wounds are not the barriers that we need to get around in order to experience his life, in order to experience hope and be a witness for hope. They are the sources and signs of life and hope. Death seems to be reality. I don't know if you feel like this sometimes on a daily basis, especially when you're looking at the news and hearing all the crazy stuff that's coming out and like, in, in whether it's what's happening here or happening abroad, like in Afghanistan or in Ukraine, but it seems like death is reality. 
It seems like our wounds tell us the truest story. But what we see in Jesus' risen yet wounded body is that death and our wounds are not what is most true. Because it's often this belief that death is more real, that there's actually something to lose, that we actually have something to lose that leads us to further wounding ourselves and wounding others. Are you tracking with me? Like the times when I am most likely to act from my wounds and wound other people are when I'm like feeling backed into a corner. When I'm feeling like I've got something to lose in this situation, whether it's like something's going to take, it's like a scarcity mentality or something's going to be taken away from me. This is what Jesus is disrupting. So what this means for for the gift of resurrection identity, for the the gift that Jesus offers us of new humanity is that our, our identity, our living into resurrection is not primarily about choosing from like the shelf of possibilities of different interests, of like Christian paraphernalia or Christian stuff to keep busy with or a new look or a new vibe or image to get right. Rather, it means that Jesus' risen yet wounded body is the launching point for us to understand what it means for us to be truly human. In Jesus, our wounds become the pathway of new creation. Not going back to how things were before. We're not going back before our wounds. I'll say more about this in a minute, but we're not going back before our wounds. Jesus is leading us, rather, into an entirely new kind of goodness that flows from him. And so the the discovery of our identity happens as we join with Jesus, receive the announcement of new creation, and begin to move with him as he moves. This is the second point. But a, a quick analogy to kind of capture what I'm getting at about an entirely new kind of goodness that we that is not just going back to something that we thought existed before and not just the realization of like what our imaginations had grasped about what our lives were supposed to look like. And the, the best analogy that, that I can think of is like what marriage is, is like at its best or what, what the wisdom that I received about what marriage is like at its best. In marriage, I don't get to decide what our life becomes. I don't get to decide how my own self-understanding is going to be transformed through the journey. Rather, there is a goodness and a newness that can open up into the future that I couldn't have imagined or invented beforehand. And it's in this process of discovering the newness that comes after joining that I allow my ideal for the, or my desire for the ideal to die. In fact, it's my grasping for what I thought my life was supposed to look like that prevents me from, from actually receiving and living into newness. This is an image of, of what Jesus is inviting us into. So the second point is that Jesus invites his disciples to grow into their new resurrection humanity by moving like he moves. Jesus says, as the Father sends me, so I am sending you. As the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. There's this 
eternal self-giving love shared between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that spills over into creation. There's a movement here that, that flows between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that, that spills over into creation and, and it's a movement that's sown into the grain of the universe. This is what Johnny was hinting at when he was talking about this new series. Is that this, this life that exists in God's self is spilling over into new creation. It's sown into the grain of the universe, into what's real. And Jesus is inviting us into that. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And it means that we are sent into the world to give witness to this, to move like Jesus moves, to give witness to this Trinitarian universe where there's always more going on that meets the eye. Being sent as Jesus is sent, moving like Jesus, means our lives and our identity take on the rhythms of God's self-giving love. Being sent on mission, missio day. You guys see the connection there, right? With an, I just, being, being a part of Missio Dei, both like in the big sense and in this very specific sense of, that you, this community is, is not a task to fulfill. Like the, Jesus has done his part and now he is telling you to do your part. It's not a task to fulfill, but rather moving our bodies in the rhythm of his reciprocal, self-giving love. And so whatever it means for the, the wonderful yet particular and peculiar you, whatever it looks like for you in, in your particular ways to put on your true humanity, what this means is whatever that is, it will be marked by the receiving and sharing and receiving and sharing receiving and giving life and love of God, moving like Jesus moves. And the point here is that this is, a, this is a training process, right? This is a growing up. This isn't something that happens all at once. We don't need to have clarity about what it means to be truly human before we make this journey. It's a discovery that happens along the way on the journey. There's a story that I heard recently that, that captures um, what I'm describing here that's going on in this new reality and what Jesus is doing in his wounded yet risen body. It's a story about, um, it happened about uh, 10 to 12 years ago, uh, this basketball player, Lou Williams, um, was carjacked one, one night at gunpoint. So this guy comes up to Lou Williams, he's getting in his car at gunpoint, um, is carjacking him um, until the, this guy, the thief, uh, recognizes who he's trying to rob. He recognizes him as Lou Williams. He's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is Lou Williams. I, I, I've been watching you play. I, I, I lo- I, you're great. I, I, love, I, I love watching you and just, you know, like is excited that, that he's encountered Lou Williams. And so the, this, this scene unfolds. This is a true story. And uh, what happens is, is Lou ends up taking him to dinner. <laughs> Monsieur Dave, this is the gospel I'm trying to proclaim this morning. That we bring death against God and one another 
And then we recognize who Jesus really is. And he befriends us. And shares a meal with us. And begins to unwind the cycles of violence that we're trapped in. The wounds that we can't escape from that spill over into our lives. And invites us into newness beyond that woundedness and violence. Receiving healing and moving like Jesus means our wounds can become pathways of new creation. Sources and signs of life and hope beyond death and violence. Healing is overcoming the violence that is the source of our wounds and that we use to wound others. The violence that separates, the violence that leads to hiding and avoiding and hustling, and the violence that we often use as a strategy for making things better because we're so afraid of what we might lose. And so as we step into this, the question a question that we can ask ourselves is, do, do we really want healing? Or do we just want to feel better? The thing about, about resurrection and what it signifies is that God does not keep us from dying. <laughs> but he does save us from death. He delivers us from death. Often I feel like what I really want is just relief from the symptoms. But not to be led through the often difficult journey of being touched and transformed by holy love at the point of my deepest wound. It's going to be a hard process. And I wonder too that if this is actually part of what the disciples feared as they were locked away of what it meant for the disruption of their lives. So the kind of healing, the resurrection that Jesus brings is is not just about feeling better. It's far deeper than that. Something more profound is happening in the world. And one of the things that this means now for us, that, that Jesus is not just making us feel better, and that Jesus is not just taking away wounds, or or bringing us around wounds, but rather transforming them, one of the things that it means for those for now is that those among us who have more highly visible wounds, that's often how we all have wounds, but some of our wounds are more highly visible. That those of us who have more highly visible wounds, that that when people look at us, it makes makes us feel like we're left out or, or not normal that those people, the people whose wounds are more highly visible, are just as much caught up into the fully human identity just as they are in their wounded selves than those who seem more normal. And so this means, among other things, that there is no ableism in the kingdom of God. Are you tracking with me? This is what God is doing in the world. One of the ways that we can step into this is by refusing to wound from our wounds. I see this opportunity in my own life and just all the little ways that my pain is triggered and the things that I want to do like out of my wounds when my pain is triggered, when I start hiding or manipulating or blaming. We can move like Jesus today by refusing to wound from our wounds. Our wounds and pain tend to turn us toward death, 
toward that which seems like life but is not. They turn us toward false attachments that cannot actually bring the healing and wholeness and new life that restores and and allows us to step into new creation. One of of the um, helpful um, language that I've heard recently that helps me work through this um, is learning the difference between clean pain and dirty pain. Have you heard this before? The difference between clean pain and dirty pain. Um, I, I learned this from a, a therapist and author named uh, Resma Manikam. He wrote a book called My Grandmother's Hands, and he, he's talking about trauma and the way that trauma affects us and lives in our bodies and spreads. He writes that clean pain is the pain that mends and can build your capacity for growth. It's the pain you feel when you know what to say or do, when you really, but you really, really don't want to say or do it, and then you do it anyway, responding from the best parts of yourself. Dirty pain, though, is the pain of avoidance that comes from avoidance, from blame, from denial, and when you respond from your most wounded parts. Jesus is leading us through our wounds, metabolizing our wounds into clean pain because this is where we learn to grow up and move like he moves. Just a couple more implications here that are so important as we think about this. And the biggest, one of the biggest implications, at least for me, is that, is that all of this means that we're safe. <laughs> Today, in your woundedness, in these cycles of violence, you are completely safe in the kingdom of God. Not safe in the sense that we get to avoid pain or be in control, but safe in the sense that we don't have to fear what will happen when we take risky steps of love. Safe in the sense that we don't have anything to lose by taking these risky steps that we didn't want to lose anyway. It means that also that we can work to cultivate safe spaces for others to heal and grow into their resurrection identity, where people feel safe to come out of hiding that their wounds push them into. This is part of like the communal work of this resurrection identity process. Or, and this is where some of us have to buckle up our (laughs) seatbelts, gird your loins, The kind of safety means cultivating a space where it's safe to be disturbed by the shock of resurrection life. Safe to know that it's okay to be wrong. Or to discover that it's safe to discover that we're participating in a system that might actually be anti-resurrection life that we're actually maybe even unknowingly a participant in a system that's, that's anti-human, that cuts against what, what Jesus is, the, the life that, that he's inviting people to live into. So don't miss this, especially people who are on the side of power that, that I am often on, people who look like me, don't miss this. Because I resist this discovery so often because I feel like that the worst thing that could happen to me on any given day, is to discover that I'm wrong. But the good news is that 
in light of Jesus' wounded and resurrection body and the new resurrection reality that he's inviting me into is that I'm completely safe. The best thing that could happen to me today is that I discover that I'm wrong. Experiencing Jesus' healing allows us to grow up into, that allows us to grow up into new creation means knowing that being wrong and the loss that comes from being wrong or the consequences that come cannot destroy or separate us from the kind of life that matters most. And that what we lose in that process is something that we needed to lose anyway. In fact, it may be the very discovery of, our, of being wrong that finally liberates us from the dehumanizing effects of being wounded and being a wounder. Because it's not just that, that experiencing wounds is dehumanizing. Being a wounder is also dehumanizing. Because that's not our true humanity. We're, we're made for self-giving reciprocal love. The wounded yet risen Jesus is present among us today, Missio Dei, calling us out of hiding, out of cycles of wounding, so that you can move like he moves. And Jesus is inviting us to his table today, to dine with him, to bring our wounds, just to start there. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this may feel overwhelming, but all we have to do is just start with, with what hurts which is hard, but it's right there. <laughs> and then Jesus, as we feast with him, begins to unwind the pain, the trauma, the violence. So I invite you to come. Come to the table today. Missio, when you're ready, we'll continue to worship together through song and through prayer. And we invite anybody who would like to, to come to the table. Seth invited us this moment, this place, this practice. It represents to us that our wounded healer, that his body was broken. That the pain of death and the systems of destruction were exhausted in him and that we are invited to feast in new creation to receive love to know ourselves as beloved and welcomed and wanted so all those things that said that are true that it can feel kind of overwhelming so wherever you are in that journey the question is would you like to come to this table taste and see and receive the love of god so missy i'm going to pray for us as we gather at this table and then i invite you to participate there's real bread that you can dip in the juice. You can stay at the table praying, reflecting as long as you would like. There's also sealed elements if you uh, would like something that is like COVID safe. And then there's also elements that are uh, gluten-free, dairy-free. And you can see the signs on there. We want to make sure that everybody has a space here. And you can pray at the table or you can take those back with you. But wherever it is, would you wrestle with that question? Where does healing begin? What does the broken body of Christ enable? What does our wounded healer make possible in this place, right here and right now? Let's pray. Jesus, in this resurrection, Easter tide moment, as we gather at the feast of new creation, remember that it is a feast made possible by your wounding. 
by your absorption of hostility and harm and our wounds, by absorbing the death that we brought to you, by taking it all into yourself and then extending to us grace and naming us again, beloved. God, with that truth, with that reality, would it hit our hearts and our heads and would it soak all the way into the deepest parts of our bodies so that we would know our truest identity is one forged in your woundedness. God, help us to know you, to receive your love, and to join with you in new creation, resurrection living. We pray these things in your name.